We're returning to John chapter 11 this morning, where the death and resurrection of Lazarus is recorded for us. And our focus this morning is on the delay that Jesus makes after the messenger comes and tells him that Lazarus is sick. So Jesus is, has left Judea because the Jews are trying to kill him. And Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Lazarus are uh, siblings, two sisters and a brother. They love each other. And Lazarus gets sick, so Mary and Martha send a messenger. And their expectation, obviously, is that Jesus, who is friends with them and loves them, is going to come and heal Lazarus. But as we saw last week, he did not come. He delayed. And what we'll see this morning is that that delay, Jesus waiting, is an intentional decision on his part. He does it on purpose. He waits... And the reason he waits is so that Lazarus will be dead by the time he gets there. Now, that's not a pleasant thought to us. It's not what we like to think of when we are praying to God. Right? You're praying, you want to think about the end result, which was that Lazarus was raised, but... There's this whole interim period where Jesus stays in Galilee and doesn't come. And then all of the interactions that he has with Martha and then with Mary and with the Jews. And finally, there's that that answer. Well, yeah, we we do look to the final raising of Lazarus, the end of the story, uh, for hope. But it's not at all uncommon with our Lord for him to delay, is it? It's a normal thing for us to wait after we pray. And so, how are we supposed to make sense of Jesus waiting on purpose and the misery that that causes for everybody involved. Well, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Please stand for the reading of God's Word from John chapter 11. Again, I'm going to read most of the chapter. We'll start in verse 1 and go all the way to 44, 45, thereabouts. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So, when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. 
the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. This he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of literal sleep. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Therefore Thomas, who is called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go so that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? 
So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There's really no avoiding the difficulty of the fact that when Lazarus died, Jesus said he was glad that he wasn't there. Now, there's all sorts of ways of explaining it, right? And, and in fact, we need, to, we need to explain it. But it still sounds brutal, doesn't it? I mean, you can say, well, he wasn't really glad that Lazarus died, and I say, well, actually, yes, he was. Uh, he wasn't happy for death, right? And he did mourn over that death. And yet, he was glad, he said to the disciples, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? So that, verse 15, so that you may believe. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe. It's not pleasant for anybody that Lazarus died. It's not pleasant for Lazarus. I'm not sure that I would want to be Lazarus. I, you know, there's a lot of people, pretty much everybody else, aside from Lazarus and a couple of others, only have to face death once. Dying just isn't something that you want to do. You don't want to do it once, much less be raised and die again. So Lazarus is given a sweet gift in being raised, but but the gift isn't nearly as sweet to Lazarus as it is to Mary and Martha. Right? Mary and Martha receive their brother back. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a wonderful gift. That part of the story is nice. But Lazarus actually dying, I don't know if you guys ever have dreams about dying. I occasionally had dreams about dying. It's not fun to dream about dying. I mean, if you have to die, you're going to die once. But why dream about dying, right? It's bad enough actually dying at some point. Lazarus actually dies. He gets so sick. And you know how miserable it is when you're sick. Being sick all the way to dead is that much more miserable. 
And Jesus says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. There's a clear benefit to everything that God does. He knows exactly what he's doing. It's not, it's not questionable in his mind what his plan is or what it's going to accomplish. Jesus has great clarity in why he has delayed. And this is one of the reasons. For your sake, so that you may believe. Of course, this theme is one that we've hit over and over and over again in the book of John, and it makes sense because he says that he's written and recorded all the things that he chose to record so that we may believe, and that believing we may have life in his name. So here we get this story about the death and resurrection of Lazarus, and one of the things that Jesus says about it is that it's all set up the way it is so that the disciples would believe. So it's not nice for Lazarus, not pleasant. It's not pleasant for Mary and Martha who have to watch their brother get sick all the way to death, bury him, mourn for him for days, all the while wondering what? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? You can see what they've been thinking. You can see that they've been thinking exactly the same thing. When Martha comes to Jesus, she says, Lord, if you had been here. Mary comes to Jesus and what does she say? She says, Lord, if you had been here. They're mourning. They're 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 their sorrow overcomes them. Their sorrow overcomes Jesus. Jesus weeps at their, at their pain. He weeps at the death of Lazarus. And after all, if he had been there, all of this pain and misery could have been prevented. Right? Lazarus could have just been sick and getting worse. Jesus could have come, healed him, and none of the rest of the story would have to include all of that misery. But what would the end result be? Well, the end result would be that it wouldn't give glory to God's name like it does this way. And it wouldn't lead to belief like it does this way. So Jesus gives, early on in verse 4, when he first hears the news, he says, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So his own glory 
is the one reason that he gives. And then verse 15, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Mary and Martha, if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. Mary and Martha are right in a sense. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. They're right. You can, you can tell that they're kind of right because Jesus says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe. In other words, he's granting that if he had been there, it, it, seems, it seems clear that they're right, that actually if he had been there, he would have healed him. But there's a false assumption that both Mary and Martha and all of us make, I think, as we read this text, when we say, well, yeah, if he had been there, he would have healed him. And the false assumption is that he needed to be there in order to heal him. Mary and Martha should have known that there was nothing preventing Jesus from healing Lazarus, regardless of where he was. The disciples certainly knew that it was possible for Jesus to heal Lazarus from wherever he was, right? We, having read the New Testament multiple times, Lord willing, certainly ought to remember the fact that Jesus is able to heal no matter where he is, right? So when Mary and Martha say, Lord, if you had been here, there's something wrong with their thinking. There's something wrong with what they understand to be going on. What they are thinking is that Jesus failed. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking that Jesus failed. He failed to respond appropriately to their message. He failed to come. He failed to heal. And the reality is that he didn't fail in any of those things, but he succeeded in those things. Those things were all intentional. It is God's will that Lazarus dies so that God himself will be glorified. Now, both Mary and Martha have faith before Jesus gives them what they didn't dare to hope for in this text. Though they knew he could give it, Martha says, even now, Lord, I know that God will give you whatever you ask, anything you ask, right? Their faith is there. But it's weak, isn't it? It's very weak. And this is the way we are so often with our requests. 
we know what God is able to accomplish. But our faith is weak. We hardly dare to even ask for what we think would be good. (laughs) Or what we know would be good. Mary and Martha, they, they, didn't, they hardly dared to hope, though they knew Jesus could raise Lazarus, though they knew God could, would answer any prayer that Jesus asked. After all, he's been in the tomb four days. Right? Doesn't there come a time limit when it's time to end our prayers, time to time to stop the request that it's just it, it's gotten to the it's gotten to the point where it's it's unseemly to ask isn't that the way Mary and Martha feel why would Jesus let Lazarus and them suffer like this if he had intended Lazarus to live. If he had intended Lazarus to live, he would have healed Lazarus and not put them through all of this misery. But no, actually, we know from the very beginning that it was his intent that Lazarus would live. This sickness is not to end in death. but for the glory of God. So the glory of God and our faith depend in many ways, in many times, many circumstances on substantial difficulty, serious suffering, The suffering that Mary and Martha go through with watching Lazarus die and burying him. God is glorified and they are given faith because Lazarus is let to die. Now the Jews have two different reactions, as is often recorded for us in the book of John. On the one hand, they say, see how he loved him, as Jesus is weeping. And on the other hand, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? In other words, isn't this here proof That Jesus isn't what he claims to be. Isn't the fact of bad things happening in the world. Isn't the fact that there is misery, that there is so much suffering, isn't this proof that God doesn't exist? Isn't this proof that Jesus is not able to accomplish what he claims to be able to accomplish? That he isn't what he claims to be? 
that there's really no hope for a Savior. And this is what mockers will say to you in many ways, in many different occasions. They'll say, why do you hope in your God? Why do you have faith? Haven't you seen that it's, that it's hopeless? Haven't you seen the suffering? Haven't you seen the sorrow? You've experienced it. I'm watching it in your life. Curse God and die. And this is to speak as a foolish person, as a mocker. And yet, we're left with that question, aren't we? Lord, if you had been here, surely, if you exist, you wouldn't let me go through this. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Or in other words, we ask the question, why God? Why this difficulty? Why this sorrow? Why this misery? Couldn't it just be sickness? Does it have to go all the way to death? Couldn't it just be two days of sickness and not two weeks of sickness? Couldn't it just be Two weeks of sickness for one person in the family and not a rotating sickness throughout the family. Or, I think, more, more difficult still, couldn't you give me victory over that sin? Lord, if you had cared enough, if you had been here, I wouldn't have fallen into sin again. Lord, if you had been here, all these bad things that have happened wouldn't have happened. All of these things are us saying that we know God's will better than he does. All of this is us saying, this can't be your will, God, because I don't see anything good in it. Ultimately, it ends up being us blaming God, right? It's God's fault that this happened. It's God's fault that Lazarus died. Is it God's fault that Lazarus died? Well, it was his will, wasn't it? Jesus even says he was glad that he wasn't there. Yeah, it's in, in, that, in that simplest sense, God didn't just allow for it. He planned it. It was his will. And so we 
are returned to that question, why? Why, God? Every one of us faces difficult things in our life. Some of us much sooner than others. But ultimately, every one of us is going to face death. And that is just plain difficult. Even thinking about it is just plain difficult. And as you begin to get older and you start to realize that your body doesn't work quite the same way anymore and you start to see... Watch, you start to watch other people and you, you see the misery of their body breaking down and you, there's a reason why we're tempted to say, I'm not going to suffer. I am not going to give myself to God's plan. This I will take into my own hands. I will determine when I die. I mean, surely you understand the temptation of that, right? We want to be in control. We think that we have a better plan. That's really what it comes down to. We think that suffering can't accomplish good, and yet Jesus says that it accomplishes two things here, and they're both astounding. They're both important. And they're both very good. Why have we come here today, gathered? Why are we listening to the preaching of God's Word? Why do we sing? Why do we exist at all to give glory to God? If you're here to sing because you like hearing yourself sing, you're here for the wrong reason. If you're here to sit under the preaching of God's Word because you like to feel smart, don't bother. We exist to give glory to God. And the death of Lazarus. One of the, the most difficult things that can happen to somebody. Losing their brother untimely to death. What does Jesus say? Gives glory to God. Gives glory to himself. So that's the first reason. But the other reason is so that the disciples may believe. And clearly so that Mary and Martha would believe as well, right? What does he talk about with both of them? He talks with them about eternal life. He talks with them about what resurrection is and the beauty of the promise that he makes to Martha, your brother will rise again. What is that promise? 
That is a promise that her brother has eternal life. And she's not content with that, is she? She says, yeah, I know that. Well, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection. But, I'm still really sad. Right? You just, you just hear the, the hanging, you know, the hanging silence there after she finishes. Like, yeah, I know. That's good. That's, that's happy. At least there's that. But left unsaid is that big... Uh, really, Mary and Martha have given into the same temptation that we give into in various ways, even as we have faith, even as we... Even as we believe that God will work for the, you know, the eternal good, that there will be a resurrection, etc. You know, even as we believe those things, even as we have faith like the disciples, even as as we have faith like Mary and Martha, we're still tempted to then blame God and say, "But this, this really was unnecessary, God." You kids do this to your parents. Well, at least my son does it to me, and I did it to my parents. Maybe some of you are more holy. But, you know, mom asks you, why didn't you clean your room? And one of the, I mean, one of the most beautiful things that can happen when you're a kid and you're faced with, a why didn't you do what you were told question, is to be able to blame it on your parents, right? To be able to say, well, you told me I had to do my schoolwork. Or, well, you said that I needed to, whatever, you know, fill in the blank with something else that you were told to do. Or, well... It's not like you could expect me to be able to lift this big mattress up. All of the the great kinds of blame excuses, right? I mean, you, you if you can if you can pin it back on mom or dad, and almost you you, you know. It just, it just almost doesn't get any better than that, does it? It's a perfect excuse. But is it mom's fault that you didn't obey her? No, it's not. It's not mom's fault. It's not God's fault. It's your fault. And and oftentimes what we think is that they're just being 
too hard on us, expecting too much of us. And sometimes parents do expect too much of us, but normally not. Normally, they are making you suffer because it's good for you. Normally, they are telling you to both clean your room and do your homework and in this amount of time because you need to get faster at working. Normally, they're giving you hard, difficult things for your benefit. And God is always giving us these hard things for our benefit. Because he's perfect, unlike your parents. Jesus speaks to Martha, and he says, your brother will rise again. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. He says, in front of the Jews, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And then what does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. And you know, the funny thing about this story is it wouldn't be anywhere near the story that it is if Jesus had left the moment that he heard the message, came immediately, and healed Lazarus, would it? It would still be a miracle. It would still be amazing because of that. But it wouldn't bring anywhere near the kind of glory to him. And it wouldn't strengthen our faith nearly as much seeing this long delay It's a long delay. It's only two days, but it's a long time, isn't it? When you're watching your brother die. It's a long time. And so we're tempted to ask, why God? And then to say that he's being too hard, that he's he's letting us suffer too much that he's waiting too long. And that's when the answer is still yes. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. We pray this way, right? Is he waiting too long? No. Do we want him to come now? Amen. He's not delaying. He's not tardy. He's not. He's he's delaying, but he's not 
late, right? He'll come right on time. And the answers to our prayers, all of them, always come right on time. And here the prayer of Mary and Martha is really, don't let us lose our brother. And God's answer is yes. He answers their prayer yes. But he waits until they've given up hope. (laughs) He waits until they think that they have lost their brother. But if you believe, you will see the glory of God. This is what, dif- what, what differentiates us from the mocker who says, see what you're going through? See the misery of this person? See the suffering that's in the world? Clearly, there is no God. Or clearly, he is not good. Or clearly, he doesn't have all the power that he needs. There's different temptations that you can give into in this area, right? You might think any of those things, and only one is necessary to become unbelieving, right? But if you believe, what will happen is you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. What a promise that is. Mary and Martha did not deserve the good gift of their brother being raised. They didn't deserve to never have him die in the first place. They didn't deserve that good gift any more than we deserve the good gifts that we ask for. And so you look, you know, you look to God and you ask, and then you begin to doubt. And part of the reason that we begin to doubt is because we look at ourselves and we think, why would he give that to me? I don't deserve that. Look at how sinful I've been. I don't deserve that good gift. By rights, he shouldn't give it to me. And maybe he won't. And maybe he won't because he's disciplining you. Or maybe he will. And maybe he will, but he'll delay. But no matter what the answer is, we know we don't deserve the good gift. We certainly don't deserve that gift of eternal life. But the mocker sees the same things happening in this world. And the mocker is determined, the fool is determined to answer any other way than God's glory being seen in what happens. There's a disaster, there's a hurricane, people die, there's flooding. 
there must be no God. People receive good things. And God is merciful and doesn't send huge judgments like earthquakes and hurricanes. And they say, see, we've been going on for centuries, eating and drinking and making merry, and the Messiah hasn't come, and there hasn't really been anything bad that's happened to us. And so no matter what God does, they look at it and they say, see, there is no God. But if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Don't give in to the temptation to become angry at God when he does not answer your prayer the way you want or when you want. Don't give in to the temptation to get depressed. What is it that you're asking God for right now? There should be things that you are asking God for right now. Good things, good gifts that you desire from his hand. Have you given up asking? If you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And you'll see it no matter what the answer. And you'll see it no matter how much suffering and waiting you have to do in the meantime. Is God not strong enough? He's strong enough. Is he not kind enough? He's kind enough. Then why doesn't he save me from my sin? Why doesn't he free me from this temptation? Can't he do anything? Why does he let me suffer in this way? You look at the hymn that we sang. And it speaks of when our comforts droop. In the third verse, and when sin and sorrow rise. When has there ever been a time that sorrow rises more than Mary and Martha watching their brother die? And it's at those times it says that God's love with cheering beams of hope supplies our heart. And then what does the next verse say? I love this. The very next verse says, uh, and then it fades away. <laughs> uh, too soon, the pleasing scene is clouded o'er with pain. And my gloomy fears rise dark, and I again complain. Isn't this our life? Isn't this the life 
of prayer. Seeking, asking, hoping. God answers our prayers. And he answers them according to his kindness. The suffering that he sends is so that he may be glorified and so that you may believe. Let's pray.